Episode 27. You are now locked in to the CJ Sensword Podcast, dedicated to spreading ideas that matter. Your body, your mind, your rules. And now, here is your host, CJ Swaby. Hi guys and welcome to the CJ Sensword Podcast. This is CJ, your host speaking. And today I have a very special guest with me, a friend I've known for how long? Three, four years. Three, four years, something like that. Um, and her name is Nazia. Nazia is boss lady in charge at Fitness Reborn UK. Mm. Uh, she is a coach, a former boxer. Um, Sportswoman of the year. Sportswoman. We're going to get onto that. So, do you know what? <laughs> Introduce yourself, Naz. Go for it. Hi, tell, guys. Cool. Tell them who you are and what you do, what you're about. Go for it. So my name is Nazia Katoon. Um, I'm Sportswoman of the Year for the Batons Awards, actually, for the BAME community. And I use neuroscience and fitness combined together to get females to fall in love with themselves and recreate a better mindset and champion exercising on a daily basis. Okay. Impressive, Naz. So you've had a very interesting journey. For those of you that haven't followed Nazia online, why not? Um, yeah. But <laughs> tell us a bit about your journey before, because you weren't always a sports coach, were you? No. No. So, so what's I, your background? My background is actually, um, I used to be a PA okay. and a HR assistant for Nokia and Accenture. Do you remember Nokia? Yeah. Yeah, they, back then. Okay, okay. It was like a very old company. And Accenture. So that's a consultancy company. And um, What year was that? How long ago was that? Gosh, I think I've had a lot of jobs in my time since I finished uni so that year was probably 2004 2004 so whatever like yeah 14 years yeah yeah literally and that lasted for five six years of my life but I hated my job to be honest with you so what was the switching point for you turning point um so I've always loved sports so I remember back before even when I was very young sports has always been a part of my life and I did everything wrong, actually, going through an eating disorder, okay. overdoing the gym, injuring myself. I really thought I was an athlete back then, but I wasn't. I didn't know anything about my body. So when I was working full time, um, it just made me realize I hated my job. So were you training as a boxer while you were mm. working for a knockout? Oh, okay. Literally. Um, and the more, you know that little voice that comes into your head and you're like, okay, I hate my job, but why do I hate it? Yeah. There was no passion in that, really. Okay. And as much as I was good at it, I just dreaded getting up at nine o'clock, being told what to do, yeah. coming home with a paycheck. Yeah. The only joy I got was going to boxing. I was like, okay, there's a calling here somewhere. Yeah. And I don't know, it's just weird how it happened in 2010. Do you remember the day or the moment that it was kind of like switched for you? I was just sitting at work and I'm thinking I'm wasting my life. Okay. I really did. I thought there's more to me than what I have to give here. Yeah. In an office job, nine to five, closed environment. And I think what happened was, along before that, there was a lot of people coming up to me in the gym, telling me they get inspired by me and telling me they felt motivated by me. And I'm thinking, okay, this is interesting because I never saw myself as that person. Sure. As much as I, as I was a, an amazing a boxer as I say right I also lacked in a lot of confidence right and that is to cover and mask my emotions and being the strong warrior like female yeah so okay. I had this attitude of fire inside of me but I didn't know how to utilize that energy if that makes sense okay and the 95 job didn't enhance that creativity yeah and then there was that time when I was just like okay going to sleep thinking about 
visualizing myself, empowering other people, motivating other people. And everything happens when we have a breakup in our relationship, I believe, right? <laughs> I truly believe. People actually get... Was well, that the catalyst? Like you speak, it, okay, yeah, okay. it definitely was. And um, I see, I don't really talk about my relationships on okay. social media or anything. Yeah. So, you know, inside story here. Thank you. <laughs> inside scoop, you heard it here, folks. <laughs> and this relationship really uh, made me realize, wow, not only do I hate my job, I hate my relationship. Yeah. But I felt stuck. Okay. So what does Nazia do when she feels stuck is take her to the other extreme side of her fear and just do something that she's never done. So I took time of work, went travelling to Thailand, worked out yeah. there in a school, sports week. So, you know, I excelled yeah. in that. And I made a decision that when I come back to London, I want to do something that I enjoy. Okay. Now, remember, being Asian, you don't do what you enjoy. Okay. You do what you're told to do. <laughs> <laughs> Get a good job. Get the paycheck, be a housewife, the linear narrative. Um, and in 2010, I just thought, okay, that's it. Enough is enough. I want to do something that makes me happy. And then I just did my course. I did everything the wrong way around, by the way, CJ. Okay, you do, what would you do differently? Literally, I would actually, if I was in that full-time job, if I was to go back in time, yeah. I would use the time of messing about at my 95 job and actually get my qualification part-time uh-huh. rather than doing the six-week academy things that you know yeah. that takes your money yeah and teaches you nothing okay. right we agree on this <laughs> yeah, right? yeah yeah we yeah agree, okay yeah. thank you <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah i understand what you're saying that's yeah take yeah. your time with it yeah. yeah and i had a lot of money saved up and um and because i didn't i wasn't smart enough i was just so desperate to get out sure <clears throat> i put myself in the deep end of doing the pt course unemployed for three whole years yeah wow. <laughs> just eat, eating everything for my savings and like what do i do now but do you think, though, if you had done it the other way, it wouldn't have made you who you are today? Because do you know what I mean? Definitely. You hear a lot about these gurus like, yeah. you know, you should just quit and do your stop mm. your other stuff. And mm. what you'll often find is when people pursue their dreams, mm. um, having quit the security of their job, that they often struggle and they can mm. often burn out and quit. Mm. I did that before, many times. Yeah. Yeah. So what kept you going? That's a very interesting question because I ask this myself every day, even seven years down the lane, mm. what keeps me going? And I, I truly think my fitness, going through the boxing, the eating disorders, fitness d- does something for people. And I don't yeah. think a lot of people understand this. It's like For me, it's resilience. Yeah. Every time I go into the gym, I don't want to do it. It's discipline. It's control. Doing the last set. Doing the last rep. You can take all of that and utilize it somewhere else. Sure. Yeah. But it has to come with a desire to want to do it, the passion to do it. And my passion is, I set myself up a bar saying, okay, I want to be a role model for females that don't have, now, they don't have what I didn't have growing up, mm-hmm. representing females in the fitness industry, be a role model, to talk about depression, eating disorders, relationships, heartbreaks, all the sensitive topics we don't talk about. Sure. So the other day, and this is a beautiful conversation I'm going to have with you right now, because I went for a run on Monday and I, yeah. I did not want to do it. I didn't have my sports bra, I didn't have my gym kit. It was the wrong pair of leggings. And I thought, no, I'm going to do it only because there are people out there that are watching me. If I give up, I'm giving them permission to give up. Yeah. But it's okay to have all the excuses and not do it. Yeah. So I went and did it, not in a sports bra, not in the perfect leggings. Uh-huh. And I still executed that run. But for me, that goes to show the resilience in my thoughts and how I just shifted everything around. Yeah. 
And that's what sports does for me. And the passion that drives me is saying there are females out there that need me. Yeah. That need people like me, not just me. Like, <laughs> right now. <laughs> Be humble, no, yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, that's what keeps me going. And I knew um, I was going to be, from a very young age, I knew I was going to be something not mediocre. Okay. Like, who wants to be mediocre? Yeah. Did you be surprised? And a lot of people, yeah. yeah. Let's, let's skip that. And I was going to say, and do you know what? Sometimes that's okay because your mm. bar is different to somebody else's bar. I remember mm. one of the most interesting conversations that I had once was with somebody who actually owned a gym, gym mm. manager. Mm. Um, and he, I always used to train at his gym and he used to see him training occasionally, not all the time. Yeah. And... I think I made a remark once when I mm. saw him training. I just oh, it's good to see you training. Mm. I'm not going to mention the person's name. And he said to me, do you know what? I don't want to be superhuman. I just want to be average. Mm. And I'll be okay with being average. Mm. Because for him, average, just being an average fitness, mm. was a high bar wow. for where he was at. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. it, I think it's just a totally different wow. perception of where you're at. And he's like, do you know what? If wow. I can reach there, yeah. if I can reach just being average, yeah. I'd be happy with that. No, thanks. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's like yeah. where your bar is is different to where other people's yeah. bars are. Um, I was going to ask you, do you mind sharing about boxing? What took mm. you there? Um, Especially as... Yeah, as an Asian Desi queen, go and say it. Yeah, you said it all for me. <laughs> say yeah. it. As an Asian Desi queen. Okay. What, yeah, because so, yeah, first off, yeah. Uh, female boxing back then in the yeah. UK especially wasn't as big as it is now. Mad, right? And a lot of boxing clubs, especially amateur boxing clubs, weren't particularly welcoming to. Yeah, so I started boxing around the time um, I started work, 2005 maybe, I think. So I was about, I was quite, I was very late, 22, 21, hitting that mark. And every time somebody asks me, what made you go into boxing? And I just say to them, and I know it's the saddest thing to say this, I got so good at beating my brothers and sisters up. But I needed to channel that energy into something constructive. <laughs> it's not funny, man. My sister, no, I know you, the my reason sister. I'm laughing because I know it's real. I know you know. See, I know it's true. I'm just like, wow. <laughs> wow. My sister was like saying, I will never forget the black eye you gave me. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I was very aggressive growing up. I was really? Very, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I was very angry. I'm the first child of five daughters yeah. in the family. So... You don't even realize that you carry this burden of being this perfect child for your yeah. parents because they want you to be the perfect everything, right? And by the time I got to 16, the pressure of being the older sister, it burnt me out because I was not an academic at all, yeah. right? I had to force myself to study. And at home, you're like, you know, you're not council flat and yeah. everybody's in your face and you can't be who you want to be. So we're all fighting. And I think the aggression got to me a lot by the time I was a teenager. Yeah. We had moved to a big house and everybody's doing this thing. And I, I didn't know how to understand my emotions. Sure. Right? And the only emotion I knew was anger. But who introduced you to the boxing? What was that moment that you Layla, walked through so, the gym, the boxing door Layla gym? Ali, actually. I interviewed her when I was 17. Okay. At college. And she, when I looked at the, you've seen Layla Ali, yeah? Like, no? Like in pictures, okay. Muhammad Ali's daughter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's just magical, right? And when you look at her, she's got this physique. Yeah. You know, being black also actually spoke to me, even though I'm not black, but it was yeah. somebody of colour. Yeah. Right? And when I interviewed her, and I was just like, I love Muhammad Ali, and I'm interviewing Leila Ali. But she gave me permission to say, you can be a woman. I didn't see colour then at the same time, yeah. if that makes sense. And you can be a boxer. 
right? Okay. And it's a weird one because I got sick and tired of using the gym, running all the time, yeah. and going through this vicious cycle of being anorexic, bulimic, binge eating, all three in one go. Yeah. I thought, okay, what can I do that will actually help me um, not go to the gym, but something I enjoy at the same time? But when I went in, it was just like... What gym was it? It was Peacock Gym in Canning Town. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. I went what in, was that like, the first day so going through those doors in, in Peacock? Intimidating. It was so intimidating. And where people saw this little beautiful girl, I didn't yeah. see that in front of the mirror. I yeah. used to see her getting fat all the time. Right. So men's attention were always on me. You know how men are sometimes. We're not going to get into that. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a very male-dominated gym as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so... I don't know, I just remember going in and he was just like, okay, I want a box. And the coach was like, you must have eaten a lot of rice. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so he goes, you're buying a dish, right? I go, yeah, I go, I don't eat rice. He goes, so why are you so chubby? And I'm like, oh, that wow. was a blow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That was a blow. But I picked up the sport so quick. Yeah. So quick. And I remember my coach said to me, because I have that natural fire in me. Yeah. I picked it up so quickly, the skills. And before you know it, I was in tournaments in six months time and the discipline in boxing is on a different level you're not fit until you actually box five yeah. times a week and run every single day and yeah. i was like wow and i just got addicted i just got addicted okay. but it set a bar up in a wrong way for me at the same time in terms of what they uh, eating in everything in everything i went from having an eating disorder um <clears throat> then going to having another eating disorder to look like it Looked like an athlete, yeah. And at the same time, I was living in my masculine energy all the time, sure. So I didn't know I had to be feminine. So right. I was like, Well, okay, I just want to beat everybody up now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say, just in my own experience as well, from from within boxing, it can, as a sport, mm. support eating disorders mm. unknowingly. Mm. Mm. I was having a conversation with somebody 10 years ago. And she sees all my posts and she said to me, I feel so sorry that I had never told you this, but I had an eating disorder at the same time. I go, I wish some more people spoke about it. It would have yeah. made me feel not so alone. Yeah. Or we dealt with it. Because we never saw therapists growing up. Sure. And knowing that you actually can get help for eating disorders. So you didn't get help? No. So what was, how did you deal with it? Or I did didn't. You, you didn't? I didn't. So, I mean, what was the point at which, so we've, we're doing the boxing thing, we yeah. left the job thing. Have we got the eating disorder thing still going on? Or when did that finally come to the point where you're like, fuck this, I need to address it because it's taking too much out of me in my life? So when I was unemployed, I think my um, mental well-being, my emotional well-being, it all manifested in my physical body. And we all know this, right? When you're yeah. feeling sad, depressed, your neural system takes a beating for it as well. Yeah. And there was a lot of things that was going on neurologically that I wasn't very comfortable with and I wasn't used to. And so I went to see this therapist, a coach actually, and she told me, it was so fascinating, she told me to write a food diary. When I gave the food diary back to her, she was like, oh, Nazia, um, so you're not eating anything on Monday the whole day, but at 12 o'clock at night, you're eating big amounts of food. On Tuesday, you're starving. On Wednesday, you're eating five meals a day. On Thursday, you're having three. Then Friday, you're binge eating on chocolates and cakes. I looked at it and I said, oh, I forgot to mention to you I had an eating disorder at the age of 17 going up to about um, now, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and this was at the age of 30. Right, okay. Only five years ago. Okay. Remember this, yeah? yeah? And it was a penny drop moment for me. And I was like, wow, I'm not over my eating disorder still because I'm still carrying the traits. Even though I thought I had stopped being bulimic and being anorexic, 
right. I still carried those traits. Yeah. And I was like, huh? The habits and the behaviours were still present. It was, I was not happy. I was not happy. But it's like I had a war with my body my whole entire life. Mm. And then I slipped into depression as well. You know this, right? Yeah, sure. At the age of 30. And I was like, okay, I need to fix myself up. So that's when I realized. And that coach actually gave me an insight of how to deal with it, manage with it, become friends with food. Mm-hmm. And hand in hand, I just realized I never loved myself growing up. Yeah. As much as people saw this confident person, I was like, ah, okay, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> yeah, sure. So, um... How did you manage it? What was the thing, some of the strategies that um, you use for managing disordered eating for people who are listening? So everybody deals with it, deals with it in a different way. Um, for me, it was understanding that I was enough mm. and accepting who I am. I had this amazing physique as a boxer, but every time I looked in the mirror, there was always something that I didn't like. Whether it was the lack of a bum, toned arms, abs. You know, females are obsessed with their midriff, right? Yeah. And I was like, why didn't I appreciate my physique then? I'm like, I'm chubby now <laughs> and I'm okay with this right now, right? Yeah. So why didn't I see what I had then? And I lived in the past for a very long time and tried to attain the past physical body. Not understanding that the human body is always changing with age as well and sure. hormones and everything. And I had to go through the process of forgiving myself. That was a key thing. Looking in the mirror every single night for a whole year and just saying, I'm so sorry for punishing you. I'm so sorry for not giving you what you needed. I'm so sorry for starving you. Mm-hmm. Those were my mantras for a whole year. Yeah. Right? And then on the flip side of it is understanding that I was enough. So this is why I preach now is I am enough all the time. Yeah. And again, that was seeing a lady preach I am enough. And then it was just one step at a time. And I just took and he healed. I'm not going to say I have a great relationship with food now. Okay. I don't. Maybe there is some stuff I still need to work on. But I know where the patterns come up. Sure, you can identify those. Yeah. Yeah. And as soon as I can identify the patterns, I have to go back and do the groundwork. Okay. The groundwork will be keep a food diary. Yeah. Make sure I've got a clock telling me when to eat. Eat. And it's easy just to run away with life, isn't it? Without thinking about the basic stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for sharing. Um, So I guess that's a lot of what you deal with within your work with women, Mm. right? Specifically Mm. Asian women across the board as well. Um, I get loads of kind of females come through the doors actually. Um, There is no such thing as a particular, but I do attract a lot of the South Asian females. Mm. And the reason why is because they can relate to me, they can understand what I've been through and everything that I put out there. They're like, oh my God, I've been through that. I need help with this. Yeah. And it's a mindset stuff. Sure. And I think relate, being able to relate to somebody who's gone through the same thing yeah. makes me very, I, I feel very empowered that when they come through the doors, it's like, okay, do this, da 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 da. Sure. Da da So it's easy to understand their emotional behavior as well. Yeah. Without doing much work. Okay. Yeah. So what I'm. Um, what would you say if you, what does nausea stand for like if you if you were to walk into a room of people who've never met you once mm. you've walked out of that room mm. <clears throat> what's the impression that you want to have left with them what do you stand for what would they have got from you can i swear oh, no yeah of course you can right? <laughs> no this is me come on what have i ever been yeah, but everybody's listening. Yeah, who cares like Look, you know i think i've got this attitude of zero fucks given now mm-hmm. i spent so much time 
caring about other people's opinion about me. Sure. And now I'm like, okay, I actually really do like who I am. And my message to the world is, if we don't accept ourselves for who we are, we can't accept other people to accept us. And that is such a cliche way of saying it. But unless you've gone on the journey, you know you hold that message close to your heart. Sure. And self-love is something that we all need to practice, whether we're a man or woman, child, grown-up, whatever it is. Because that's what really sets you free, self-love. And self-love isn't something that's been taught to us. And we have such a um, turmoil relationship with ourselves. Mm. Within Everybody's fighting this crappy war. When really and truly all we have to do is learn that we're okay. We don't have to be anything that we don't want to be. And wear our authentic masks. Mm. Um, and we'll be fine. Okay. Yeah. I like that. So how do you incorporate that into what you do? Like, yeah. In terms of the training stuff with clients, how do you get that transition for people to get that, to understand that, to really embody that, as opposed to, you understand it's an intellectual process, can we do some press-ups now, kind of thing. Yeah. You know, because I'm sure when they come through the door, if they haven't been fully aware of who you are and what you're about, mm. it's a very different yeah. approach to what they're used to, right? So everybody comes in with a different way, the teaching indexability, right? Mm. And I think over the time, I'm a feeler, by the way, right? I can feel people's energy, emotions very quickly, and it's a gift now. And my intuition is always on point, right? And I can pick it out quite quickly. So everybody comes with a different background, whatever it is. And every time they walk through the doors, it's knowing who they were before and what they want to become. And my job as a coach is just take them on a journey, right? We strip them off everything that they know. We take away everything that they've been taught about the fitness industry, the diet industry, whatever. And it's just being really raw with them. And education is the key to everything here. So I'm the person that the fitness industry, and I'm sure you're the one as well as well, so I'm not going to put myself out there <laughs> by myself. The fitness industry probably hate us because we're teaching people life in an unorthodox way mm. of being real, right? Yeah. The fitness industry is killing you. Stop looking at social media. Stop looking at and comparing yourself, all that kind of stuff. So the journey comes from, um, okay, healing, forgiveness, Affirmations is what I'm known for. I love myself. I'm amazing. Um, I'm enough. And once you get people to understand those things, that they are enough, they change so quickly. Sure. Like, I can't tell you, like, I have a blueprint of why I deal with my clients. Sure. Because everybody's different. Different, I get you. So the coaching skills have to come in. Like, oh, my God. Okay, she's being very... Ne- oh, okay, let me give you an example. Yeah. The one client that I had just before you, she spent all her time just being toxic. She's got an amazing physique. She doesn't have to train with me. Sure. She doesn't have to drop weight, right? Yeah. But she came to me for mindset training. I'm like, what do I know about mindset training, girl? (laughs) (laughs) Clearly, you never said that to her when she walked through the door, right? Of course not. (laughs) (laughs) No, she was like, "Mm mm-hmm, okay, sure. (laughs) But I think it's what you deliver in the sessions is Mm -hmm. telling them, look, this is how the brain works. When we've been hijacked by the reptilian part of the brain, you're going to understand we are hardwired to think negative things. But our job as a human being is to, you know, nurture that part and -hmm. say you are okay, you are loving, you are this and that. And it's firing those new neural paths, the neurons and everything to keep going into a positive state. Sure. That's when they come to you like, what? How did I change in a week? Like the other day she came in and she was like, I actually looked in the mirror and I said I was okay. I was happy with my physical body. That, to me, is a breakthrough. Sure. Last week, she said, Nazi, I had fish and chips after six, seven years. I'm like, say again, come again. Tell me what happened. 
and go. So I want you to know what she did after eating the fish and chips. Yeah, sure. Yeah, because when somebody's going through a turn with their body, they're going to be in guilt, shame. Yeah. Let's go and burn it off. She said, no. I sat there, I watched television, I had some biscuits. I'm like, wow. She goes, you know, I never do that. I go, that's amazing. Yeah. You carry on doing that once a week, we'll be happy. Sure. And that for me was telling her, be okay, don't attach guilt, don't attach shame. You're not going to become fat overnight. Stop looking at yourself in the mirror. And she's changed, it's been five weeks. I'm like, I did that. <laughs> I helped you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, oh, cool. Thank you for sharing. Um, just because I'm aware of time, there's a couple of things I probably want to ask you before we go, Nazia. And it's totally, feel free to say no or yes, mm-hmm. as I'm sure you do mm-hmm. anyway. Is, um, would you be willing to share one, some of your morning, what's your morning routine? How do you, you know when people have like success mornings and all that kind of stuff and then also, uh, yeah. yeah, let me ask you that first. Uh, what's your morning routine? Do you have a mantra? And if so, would uh, you be willing to share one yeah, of those? Yeah, of course. Go for it. Um, first question. So I wake up when I want to wake up. Uh-huh. Okay. Because I realize when I don't get enough sleep and I want to be like CJ waking up at 5.40, it's not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. just not going to work for me. Yeah. And, um, so when I wake up, so this is such an addiction, social media, and I have to become more wary of it now. And yeah. I realize how I'm getting brainwashed, yeah. if I'm honest with you, sure. through all of this. And um, so I've made a conscious decision of, okay, no, no more social media. It's like, it's not my only friend. I've got friends that don't need this. Yeah. But my morning mantra is to get up, put a YouTube link on and listen to something positive for the first five to 10 minutes. Okay, sure. whether it's an affirmation video, whether it's a motivational video, and it's to get into a state of knowing I'm going to go to the gym within the hour. Nobody okay. wants to wake up and go, yeah, I'm here. Nobody likes going to the gym first thing in the morning. Okay, mm. we do it because we know it's going to serve us for the day. Yeah, <laughs> let's be honest. <laughs> all right, yeah. let's be honest. And then I'll wake up. I'll make my coffee. I'll have my supplements. Do what I have to do in the bathroom. Come back. Open my book up, and I'll write my mantras down. So these are my affirmations. These goals. And affirmations I have to do, like, I need oxygen and water, yeah. right? If I don't, I set myself up for a failing day. And I've been doing this for the last year. Sure. And when you do it, you don't realize what you're doing. You're just creating everything in a different way. And I attract great things by writing those goals down. Yeah. And I'm reminding myself every day. And then I write, like, 10 things I'm grateful for. Drinking my coffee. Um, having breakfast. And I go to the gym. Yeah. First thing in the morning, I'll go to the gym for an hour or so, and nobody can get in the way of that. <laughs> I don't actually take any clients on, on the first three to four hours of waking up. Sure. So that's my time. That's your time. Yeah. So what mantras do you mind sharing? What? Yeah, so um, it depends what my goals are. Okay, okay. Like, for example, for work-wise, if I want to get five clients to work with me in that month, right, okay. I will design what clients I want. Okay, sure, yeah. I get you. What do they look like? Who are they? Where are they coming from? And by hook or crook, I get them. Sure. It's crazy. And then I'll write down things I want in the future. Like, I want to write a book. Okay, what are the chapters I want in that book? Yeah. So I put myself in that state as well, writing. Sure. Um, what other things do I write? Um, materialistic things I want. Yeah. You know, things that will make me happy. Um, the kind of person I want to attract in my life. Who do I want to become that day as well? Yeah. It's a very powerful question I ask myself every day. Who am I becoming on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Sunday, I give myself a rest day. (laughs) (laughs) Sunday, I'm like, I can be the whoever I want to be. Do you Um, bookend your day? Do I? Because there's a lot of, um, you know how everyone's like, yeah, set you up for success. You do the Mm -hmm. mornings. 
you very rarely hear about people bookending their day, so doing a similar process uh, towards the end of yeah. the day. So it's only something I've started introducing more so for myself this yeah. year. Morning yeah. I'd always do, but only yeah. towards the end of the evening routine do yeah. I do. Is that something you do or not? You know what? I tell you something. I used to do that a lot when I was going through my sad phase, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it's something I need to bring back again. Because we also know the subconscious mind is very open first thing in yeah. the mo- morning. Recep- receptive. Yeah. Receptive. Not open people. Receptive. Um, and it's very receptive before you go to sleep. But one of the key things I do do, though, sure. is write my goals down before I go to sleep. Cool. The ones I wrote in the morning. So I'll go back to it right out again. And there's power in that as well, um, because you're feeding the neural paths again to understand what you want, right? And another thing that I do is meditate. I have to meditate before I go to sleep, and that sets me up and visualizing what I want the next day. So there's three things, being grateful, write down my goals first thing in the morning, meditating, getting ready for the gym. Those are the things I have to do. And then before I go to sleep, it's visualizing the next day. Sure. And that's powerful too. Okay. Um Thank you, Naja, really, thank you for that. So, wrapping up, Nas. Nas? Yeah, Nas, can I call you Nas? I've always called you Nas. No, so. just call me Desta Queen. Uh, yeah. like it. It's special. <laughs> we meant to keep that to the text messages, Nas, but yeah, yeah. Should we show what the text messages are about, <laughs> CJ? <Yeah. laughs> so, Nas, yeah, so wrapping up. Can I get a hug? Yeah. <laughs> of course you can, of course you can. <laughs> we're hugging people, we're hugging. <laughs> Um, Go on. Chris, you're throwing me now. I was going to ask you, um, you most people either leave the podcast with a joke Uh or a quote. Uh You can choose either one you want to wrap up the podcast. A joke or a quote. Over to you, Nazia. Go for it. What? A joke or a quote. I'm not funny. Then say a quote. Is it something that's made an impact or powerful for you that made you stop and think at some point? It was like, okay, I've got it. Okay. One of the best of the quotes I live by, mm-hmm. and it's by Confucius. Uh-huh. And he said something like, um, choose a job that you love and you never have to work again. Do you remember that quote? Yeah. Should I Google it quickly? No, no, it's fine. We got it. We got it. No. <laughs> Can I add another one? Yeah, go for it. You're on um, a roll. Okay, there's one that I love at the moment. You need to go and check this out on YouTube. I can't say the surname. His name is Charles Broski, I think. Okay. Have you heard of him? No, but carry on. And he's, he wrote this beautiful passage on something like trying. And he said, like, if you're going to try, make sure you go all the way. Otherwise, there's no point in trying. Yeah. Because trying is the word, the key word, trying. Yeah. Go all the way. Even if it means you're sleeping on a park bench, if it means you have to go to prison, if it means you have to lose your sanity, if you're going to try, go all the way. And then I can't remember anything okay. else. Okay. But cool. I like those words. It's very beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, I get you. I get you. So if people want to follow you, get in contact with you, what's your social media handles, your website, all that, give it to us. And what if I don't want them to follow me? Then don't. Oh, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> no, no, no. We're ending the podcast now. <laughs> no. So you can find me at Instagram. I'm very active on Instagram. Okay. And um, So what's your Instagram at handle? Fitness reborn uk1 um and i'm not going to apologize so at fitness reborn uk1 yeah we discuss everything and anything over there okay and there's no um boundaries on facebook it's just my name there's Uh a lot of boundaries on my facebook because everybody's a bit delicate on my facebook (laughs) (laughs) in case you can't tell this is actually like a watered down version of (laughs) today she's not pc 
which is one of the reasons that we get on. Um, oh, you're not PC? No. Oh, sugar. Not, what do you mean, going to like, like, you've seen my feed, you've seen what I put up there. What's that about recently you're putting that? What is going on with you? <laughs> That's another podcast, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so at Fitness Reborn UK 1. Yeah, on Instagram. And your name? Is Nazia Cartoon. On Facebook? Yeah, but A I'm website? www.naziacartoon.com. Thank you for your time, Nazi. Appreciate it. Um, you are welcome. <laughs> <laughs> we're out. We're out. <laughs> that was very good. Cool. Let's end this. Hurry up! I'm pressed.